guys and welcome to Pros Before Hoes, the podcast where we talk about what we're thinking, drinking and reading. Hi Elle. That was high pitched. Hi there. Hi Elle. Howdy buddy. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. I love Halloween so much. I know you do. I, I feel like you look at the world with such child, child wonder. <laughs> I think I do too, and I'm happy about it. It's nice. It's nice to live with somebody who looks at the world like that, because I'm like, everything is sad and dying. (laughs) And you're like, no, Halloween. I do fucking love Halloween. You get excited about bonfire night. Yep. You got hyped about Easter. Yeah. I just love an occasion, you know? Mm. Like, life can be, like, pretty depressing, so it's just nice to make a fuss. Look, I always say, any reason to drink. Speaking of, what are we drinking this week? We've made cocktails we have made a cocktail this week we've made an el diablo but essentially it's kind of it's tequila our, tequila that's the important thing it's tequila <laughs> it's our spooky take on a margarita it's so nice out uh, because the creme de cassis mm. looks a bit like blood mm. but now it just kind of looks like a sunset yeah it's actually really pretty oh my gosh now we have creme de cassis we can add champagne yes champagne which i can afford <laughs> oh, yeah but my birthday's coming up that's true. Elle's birthday is coming up. And I love champagne. This so. girl loves champagne. She loves the sparkly stuff. How have you been this week? Give me some Give me some spooky gossip. Tell me what's been going on. <laughs> what are you excited about for Halloween? Have you engaged in any spooky activities? Has anything scared you recently? <laughs> <laughs> Apart from the haunting state of the world. Just been enjoying the films that are coming to streaming services. Oh my god, I was literally going to say, what do you like to watch around Halloween? Coraline. Is one of my favourite things in the world. I've never watched it. We're watching it this year. <laughs> well, you know what we're going to be doing this week. <laughs> but Coraline, I absolutely love. I dressed up as Coraline, first year of uni. I Halloween. do know what she looks like, and you do have Coraline vibes. Oh, do you think? But like in a good way. But yeah, I like, your that. eyes are not made of buttons, from what I can tell. I have. I made glasses. I got sunglasses and stuck massive buttons. It was a sick outfit. That sounds like a cool outfit, but I have one question. How did you see anything? Ah, yes. Well. (laughs) (laughs) Rita, she did not see anything. (laughs) I was wearing really sparkly shoes. Okay. And and so in in the club, when I... This was in a club. You wore... You basically blindfolded yourself in a club. No, it's fine. I had people to hold my hand. He was also quite drunk. It was a great costume. It sounds was like really a, good. Sounds like a good night. Is that your favourite Halloween costume you've ever done? Um, I did also go as the moon. Oh, and there's that really... I was there. We should post that photo. We'll share us. that photo as well. I'll make sure that that's up when this episode goes live because that is an adorable photo of Ellen and I in our university days where it's she just... put a lot more effort into her costume than I did. Yeah, but I liked your spider. I, that... I drew a spider web on my face. I love that photo of us so much. But yeah, I, when I dressed up as the moon, I thought that was pretty good because I literally put that together in like an hour. It was a lot of tinfoil, but I didn't hate it. <laughs> Slash, I loved it. Adam's family is obviously... Yeah, I saw them live. I saw the Broadway version in New York and it was good. It was good fun. A Broadway show. I would recommend, but you're not allowed to go to New York. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're already there. Unless you're already in New York, in which case Broadway isn't open. <laughs> if you're in New York, reach out. It'd be nice to know where everyone is. Yeah. Shut away. If you're not, if you're listening to this and you're not in England. Say hello or bonjour. Or hola. <laughs> Also, there's the second series of Ghosts on iPlayer, which I've been enjoying, which is also thematic. It's kind of like Horrible History vibes, but for adults. Basically a haunted house Mm. that this couple inherit, and there are ghosts in it, but only they can see them. Is it spooky spooky? No, no, no. I think you'd really like it. 
Because I don't really do horror movies. Like, I could barely hack Twilight and I watched. <laughs> I mean, I Twilight wa- was scary for other reasons. <laughs> Twilight was scary for so many reasons. But your girl, she doesn't really like horror movies. Like, I read... I remember when Paranormal Activity first came out, everyone was talking about it. Everyone was really hyped. It was like, scariest movie ever. Probably not true. Uh, and I was like, oh, I really want to know what this movie is about. But I don't like watching horror movies because I like to sleep and I don't sleep. I have way too much of an overactive imagination. So I read the plot for it on Wikipedia. And had nightmares. And I could not sleep for three months. <laughs> and then stupidly, okay, this this is why peer pressure is bad. Went to a Halloween party when I was 13 and then watched Paranormal Activity. And I still have nightmares. And that was over a decade ago. So I don't watch scary movies. But also partly because life is already too scary. I, that's why people like horror films, though. Maybe. It's escapism. I find everyday things more scary than actual well i find them scary enough i've written <laughs> yeah i was like more scary but you do sleep so. yeah i mean do i oh i sleep a lot i sleep a lot i sleep like a baby but i did i wrote a poem about how everyday things terrify me would you like to would you like to hear my spooky halloween poem i mean my hands are tied <laughs> yes. your hands are tied this one is untitled tripping down the stairs getting caught ogling at a hot man with nice eyes and clark kent hair these are two things of which I am scared. Dropping my last tampon in the loo on a date, the blind panic of a period showing up late, are a couple more things that frighten me that I hate. Mispronouncing a fancy word in a very big meeting, finding true happiness only to realise it's fleeting, are some useless phobias I could do with deleting. Forgetting someone's name when they've told me a million times, having to perform an impromptu play and not knowing my lines. Okay, I actually can't think of another word for scary that rhymes. The point is, who needs horror movies when life is already scary as shit? My own awkwardness is enough. I really don't need another adrenaline hit. Love the rhyming. That took a lot of time today. Not during my work hours, though, because I was working. Not (laughs) writing a Halloween poem. (laughs) Promise. (laughs) Carving pumpkins. Carving pumpkins That is, is going to be so... F- I love carving pumpkins. But are I children like going to be trick-or-treating this year? We haven't found out yet. I be- no, I, they said months ago that it's a... No. Did they? They released a statement to be like, no trick-or-treating? Oh, I didn't read an official statement, but what are official statements anyway now? So. I mean, official statements are like, you can go trick-or-treating if but you're you three can't... foot four and wearing a hat shaped like a candy corn, and also if you have three legs. But also stay at home. But also don't trick-or-treat. But trick-or-treat... We want you to buy sweets... To support the economy, so you can go trick-or-treating. But yeah. don't go trick-or-treating. But also buy a costume, but don't go out in it. Also, buy loads and loads of sweets. Eat all the sweets, because you're not allowed to go trick-or-treating. And then be shamed for eating all the sweets. Yeah, because you're fat. By <laughs> Boris Johnson, who like had a revelation about how, if only he had gone for a few runs, he wouldn't have gotten COVID. <laughs> I think we've nailed it. I think we've got it down. Um, and I really think we've we've managed to actually somehow with that message be clearer than the government. I think we actually have maybe bludgeoned in <laughs> politics the earliest we ever have. Yeah, we didn't even make it to the dislike section. Exactly, we managed to do it in the like section. Yeah, I like our politics. <laughs> we'll also show and share our pumpkin carving. We will. Who knows how that will go? There's going to be so much Halloween content, guys. There's going to be so much. <laughs> it's going to be hot. I like how, because you know I'm not into the social media side of things, but you yeah. know I love Halloween. Yeah. You've gone, this is how I'll get her. Yeah, this is how I'm like tricking Elle into doing social media for the podcast is by making being like, but it's for Halloween. <laughs> I'm not being tricked. I am. <laughs> She's a willful participant. <laughs> I'm coming quietly. <laughs> 
she's coming quietly. <laughs> Better than most women who aren't coming at all. <laughs> now for judging a book by its cover. So in this segment, we're gonna we're gonna talk about a book one of us hasn't read, which I know sounds slightly contradictory to the entire point of this podcast. But I promise we will be talking about things we have read afterwards. Um, in this section, one of us will have read a book, the other person won't have. The person who hasn't read the book has to guess the plot of the book on its cover alone. Okay, so this week Elle has given me a book, the turn. Of the Screw by Henry James. I mean, the cover is like a creepy doll in like a shadow. The haunted look in the doll's eye to me implies that there is an element of insanity. It feels like somebody is going insane because they just, I mean, I'm looking at this. I looked at this cover for about five minutes and I felt a little bit insane. It is quite scary, actually. It's very simple. It's just... The top half of the book cover is just black. Yeah, it's photographic. Then the typeface is just in the middle. And then, yeah, you've got like a... It's nice, actually. I do like... I like the cover. Mm. It's simple, but very, very effective. And you know what? It is creepy. Yeah. I but would not pick this book up in the shop because it's creepy. Have um, you not heard of it before? No. Really? I really don't engage with ghost stories. So this no, is but this is like a classic. Like, it's Henry James. So it's, not, it's like a, a good book that is creepy. It's not like... Yeah, no, I don't... I, I've not heard of it, but... um, Yeah, so I, I think for me, the cover is there's going to be an element... I mean, you think you see the dolls and you think, okay, this is going to be, like, a creepy haunted house. Like, maybe somebody died in it. The kid finds a doll. Maybe they get a little bit possessed. Just a little bit. A sprinkling <laughs> of being possessed. Um, And then lots of people die. Or lots of people are driven insane. Or a beautiful mix of the two. How have um, I done? Not- I mean, I feel like I have outlined the plot for every <laughs> modern horror movie. Yeah. So I won't give myself too much credit if I've hit the nail and on the head. And as this is a vintage classic, a lot of those are going to have been inspired. So yeah, not not wrong. So do you know what the title phrase means? The colloquial use of the phrase? No, I don't. Ah, so it's to do an action that makes the situation worse. Okay, I'm familiar with the concept. Aren't we all? <laughs> to make a bad situation worse. I do that frequently. There's the governess. She's not named. She's just the governess. Okay. And she's from quite a sheltered upbringing. Mm -hmm. And she lands a job as a governess. Oh, that's that's unexpected. (laughs) That took a real unexpected turn there, but keep going, I'm intrigued. In a remote country house in Essex, she's in love with the person who hires her. Love is terrifying. Even though... Yeah, exactly. She's only met him twice like two, in two interviews but she's in love which isn't like pivotal but i think can be interesting yeah, yeah. later down the line yeah so the children are orphaned so the person who employs her is their like legal guardian but not their father okay he specifically says he doesn't want to be bothered about anything to do with the children off you go bye bye yeah see you. you get the impression he's a bit of a lothario okay doesn't need all this act um, so the two children that she goes to look after and teach are Miles and Flora. Miles is away at boarding school mm-hmm. and Flora is younger. I think she's like eight, but yeah. she's at the house. He gets expelled yeah. and sent back for a seemingly sinister reason that you never find out. Okay. So the vibe is beginning. Hella um, creepy. The- he clearly killed someone or cut someone's <laughs> eyes. He probably went for someone's eyes. It's always the eyes. But the children are perfectly behaved and perfectly lovely. No, they're not. Um, well. Have you ever met children? 
I love children. Children are better than adults. Children are evil. Growing up fucks you up. The governor starts seeing figures in the grounds okay. and at the window. Mm-hmm. And is convinced that the children and the housekeeper are also seeing them as well. She's yeah, yeah, like yeah. convinced that it's not just her and that yeah. there's something going on that she's not quite in on. But, but no one ever admits to seeing them. Yeah. So there's a male ghost and a female ghost. And she thinks that the male ghost has this sort of power over Miles, the little boy, and the female ghost has. And I'm not going to tell you who they are because it will give things away. Okay. Has power over the daughter. There's a like real fear that they'll be corrupted in some way. So that's the general thing. Obviously, lots more happens, but I can't say that without no spoilers. Exactly. No spoilers. There isn't really a doll in it per se. That's just more. I feel like a symbol of scary. Symbol of scary and like innocence and like. Yeah, mm. I think that is the I think that is the thing about when dolls feature in horror stories, whether it's movies or books, it really is that corruption of innocence. Oh. Also because of their connotations with like sex and there's the vibe yeah. of like a sexual nature. You don't know if it's all like an like an allegory for like sexual abuse or like oh, okay. there's just so much going on that all like features around Things being like unspeakable. Nothing's direct. Everything's sort of skirted around. Because... I do, yeah, but I do. I mean, hailing back to paranormal activity and stuff like the Blair Witch Project, I think a lot of what is scariest is what is unsaid yeah, and yeah. unknown. A hundred percent. I think that's an incredibly powerful tool, whether it's in literature or, or film and television. Funny that the best way to take advantage of somebody's overactive imagination is to not tell them something. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like when if there's like a monster in yeah. commons, if you see them, it's ruined. But when you don't see them all, there's almost like that unknown, and you're yeah. like, I don't think I want to see any of that because I have no mm. idea what it could possibly be. Because then you have the more modern, like not horror, but like I don't really know what genre, like alien, <laughs> like sci-fi. Yeah, like sci-fi kind of horror movies where that a lot more of it is visual. And mm. it's scary in a very different way. Yeah, definitely, like, knowledge and what you know and what you don't know, I think, is yeah crucial to being scared. So her attempts to save the children, because yeah. she becomes quite fixated on it. Yeah. She loses it. Well, we'll come on to that. Does she lose it? But her attempts to save the children take the form of, like, a relentless quest to find out what they know and to make mm. them confess because she's convinced that there's something that she's not in on. And she obviously learns from the housekeeper about past things to do with the house and the village and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But she doesn't feel like she has a grasp on it. Yeah. Like they do. And then it's, like, forbidden knowledge and she's sort of worried about what might happen to them because of what they know and what they don't mm. know. But yeah, that this massively potent fear of corruption only results in sort of indirect action, which makes it more like chilling, I think, because you just unnerve the whole time. That's good. I mean, it does sound interesting. Also, so harking back to when I said that maybe in love is too much, but she's a bit like enamoured by the yeah. person who hires her. She's from a very sheltered upbringing, and I sort of got the sense that her fear of their corruption was almost maybe a projection of her inexperience herself yeah. in the world and how she, like, navigates that. I feel like that reminds me, actually, um, of the story in um, The Bloody Chamber. And nobody knows why 
you know, what's happened to his past wives. So it sounds like a weird, like, almost Angela Carter's take is like a distillation of those themes. Yeah, well, it's definitely very prevalent in yeah. anything that's a bit supernatural or eerie. Definitely similar things come up because they lend themselves well to yeah. those ideas. Also, the idea of, like, insanity. Yeah. You don't know whether she's taking it all a bit far. or You don't know whether to trust her or if she is losing it a bit Mm. or you don't know if the the figures she's seeing are just a fragment of her imagination and she's determined that everyone else is in on it because that makes her sort of confirm her own mind and then things that happen which in her head are direct results of these figures Mm. but maybe they're not maybe you could read it in a completely different way and maybe she's causing them maybe she do you know what I mean so because of that, it, it yeah, it all adds to a very like uneasy sense of you don't you know what's happening, but you don't really know what's going on. Yeah, I find it interesting. I feel like a lot of um, novels from that kind of era and in that genre use a woman's mental state as like a source of yeah, instability, yeah, yeah. as like a kind of yeah literary theme. The the unreliable narrator is so often just a woman worried, you know, or a woman being driven to a certain state by something. Because also her relationship with the children is interesting because obviously they're orphans, so they're lacking a parental figure in general yeah. and maternal, I guess. Well, they have the housekeeper, but they have form a really strong attachment to her and, yeah. like, they're very loving and she really cares for them, but there is a sort of... Like, children as well are terrifying, I think, in these kind of things because... Well, they're not subject to the same... But it's, like, something like a, a knowing... A child yeah. that, like, knows... Something. Something. Yeah. A child that isn't really a child Yeah. is, like, terrifying. And in horror films, when you hear, like, children's laughter. Yeah. Oh. I hate it when people feel joy. But, yeah, so their interaction is interesting because you don't know if... You don't know if, like, maybe her care for them and her wanting them to be good because she wants to be good at her job. Yeah. Because she wants to impress and also because she cares about them. You don't know if it's become almost like an obsession or if there is something... Well, we know there's something a bit wrong or something's gone awry with the kid that gets expelled. Yeah. So it's all these intersections. Of- Do you ever find out why the kid was expelled? Would it be giving any of the plot away to say whether or not you find out? I'm not going to say. And I can see that, speaking of corruption, I can spy the next book that you're going to talk about. The absolute classic... Picture of Dorian Gray by we, Oscar Wilde. We all read it at GCSE slash A level. We all, I think we all kind of liked it. I haven't I actually it. ever studied it. Have you not studied it? No, I read it when I was 12. Too young. You <laughs> sweet, innocent thing. <laughs> I just love gothic literature. Mm. But I do get annoyed sometimes by it. Did you, did you, have you read Frankenstein? Oh my gosh, I adore it. Yeah, but, I can very but, much but, see but, it. I really liked Frankenstein. The first actually. time I read it, I wasn't like, whoa. Yeah. It wasn't what I expected. And then I think maybe I was a bit disappointed. Yeah. But then I studied it and so was rereading it loads. Um, absolutely. Love I think it. sometimes understanding the context behind a book adds, adds quite a lot to it. That's why I always really liked English Lit because I think you can read a book. And the same with History of Art, actually, when I studied History of Art you can take, like, all art and, like, literature as their own experience that you have. Mm. But then there's nothing better than, like, learning about it. Learning about things can definitely enhance them. Maybe it can sometimes take away, too. 
I'm not saying it doesn't go both ways. No, I think it definitely does. I've I've always found that having a little bit of context behind a story. I mean, as human beings, I think we love to piece things together. So it gives you something while you're reading something to be like, yeah. ah, yeah, I see why you did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what actually about um, Frankenstein I realised was interesting was that because it, I basically thought it was going to be eerie yeah. and scary yeah and it's i didn't find that at all it's more i found like a social commentary or like an attack on how a lot of people view life but then that's why i like gothic because gothic is all about humanity it uses the supernatural yeah. to really zone in on our flaws yeah which dorian gray also does oh yeah 100 percent. where do we begin with this <laughs> actually i guess dorian gray is spooky in a similar way but i think there are times just because of the picture Mm -hmm. i think that at times is very atmospheric and like more conventionally like ooh. but again it's a massive social commentary it's also that's that actually is like not a huge part of the book like obviously it is it is the title of the book and it is the central theme but i from what i haven't read this book in a little while but from what i can remember the actual time spent writing about the picture is fairly minimal and it's more about his experience around it and then kind of watching that. Yeah, and what and yeah. what that means. And what that means and how that's reflected in the portrait. Yeah, but then there are some passages which are a bit like, ew. Yeah. <laughs> which I guess actually you do have in Frankenstein as well, maybe in terms of when she's talking about like the cadaver and the different bits that are like sewn together and all that malarkey but I just find it I don't think it's conventionally I I think it's missold I always find when I do read um literature that might fall into kind of gothic or horror that the scariest moments are not the isolated supernatural and not the isolated human but when they come into contact with each other so the most uncomfortable moments for me with Frankenstein was when they were the closest when that kind of humanity and the the monster. So when Doctor Frankenstein and his monster mm. were cl- close, yeah, and it was that kind of contrast that that caused the real discomfort. And I think it was the same for me and Dorian Gray, like the the reckoning with the portrait mm. that I found most uncomfortable because you, we can imagine a supernatural world in literature and we can set it aside, but when you see that collide with something very lifelike and very, um, mm, it can be quite chilling, familiar. Mm-hmm. I think that that is difficult, not difficult so much as scary. <laughs> I hate Doctor Frankenstein so much. He's yeah. one of my least favorite fictional characters. He's not a cool guy. He's a dick. He's a dick. <laughs> you heard it here. Doctor Frankenstein <laughs> is a dick. <laughs> he is. He's just like it's a classic tale of like the responsibilities of creation and the consequences of your actions. Yeah, hundred percent. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> I mean, I have taken a much more literal theme. Uh, to, uh, she just into... didn't want to play ball. No, I did want to play ball. I, I, I just don't read that much ghost story or horror. So I, I'm going to talk about ghosts by Dolly Alderton uh, because <laughs> ghosts are scary. This is going to hark back to my poem and me finding everyday rea- reality <laughs> and my own awkwardness much more terrifying than monsters or much more immediate this is so annoying because then we should be able to watch scary things yeah that's not gonna happen for us though <laughs> get a new, we can get a new housemate if that's what you need from me but i'm not gonna be able to give it to you i'll let you uh, i'll we'll be like a polyamorous flatmate you can get a new flatmate that you hang out with 
who will watch horror movies yeah, with but you they and can't... I'll turn a blind eye. That's just called having a friend, but they can't come into the house. <laughs> yeah, that's very true, actually. So, <laughs> guess you're stuck with me. Um, but yeah, I read Dolly Alderton's debut novel. You've probably heard about it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to boldly assume. Uh, you may well have even read her first book, which I really enjoyed. I wrote about this on my Instagram, but you may not all or any of you follow that. Um, but I have like quite a quite a long-standing relationship with Dolly's writing. Um, yeah, we're connected. Not really. I really, really liked her dating column. I really enjoyed everything I know about love. I think it was a really feel-good book. I think the stories that feel like a literary hug are equally as important as literary fiction. Um, I think that often we get, especially recently, there's been a lot of hype over like literary fiction. It has to be literary fiction to mean something, to be meaningful, to be an important story. Um, and I think that's not true. I think that especially now more than ever, we're looking for stories that make us feel good. And Dolly is very good at writing those stories for a wide audience. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed her book, Ghosts. Um, I'll read the blurb out again. I don't want to give anything away. Uh, Nina Dean has arrived at her early 30s as a successful food writer with loving friends and family, plus a new home and neighbourhood. When she meets Max, a beguiling romantic hero who tells her on date one that he's going to marry her, feels like it's all going to plan. A new relationship couldn't have come at a better time. Her 30s have not been the liberating, uncomplicated experience she was sold. Everywhere she turns, she's reminded of time passing and opportunities dwindling. Friendships are fading, ex-boyfriends are moving on, and worse, everyone's moving to the suburbs. There's no solace to be found in her family, with a mum who's caught in a baffling midlife makeover, and a beloved dad who is vanishing in slow motion into dementia. Dolly Alderton's debut novel is funny and tender, filled with whip-smart observations about relationships, family, memory, and how we live now. I do actually think that's a very fair assessment of the book. It's, I mean, ugh, dating in modern life is terrifying. It is scary. I mean, more and more. I don't know. It's so hard to tell because you're of a generation, so you just assume, like, it's not always been like this. Maybe it's always been like this in certain iterations, but I do think that... Um, Dolly is very good at capturing the current mood of what it's like to be out on the scene. <laughs> I th yeah, I think the book is really what it promises to be. And there is, you know, the, the main character, it, it is very much about arriving at your life and looking for the roadmap and being a little bit lost and being sold this story that when we hit our 30s, I mean, we can't speak for that. Yeah. I'm a bit disappointed because I did actually think things were going to get better when I turned 30, but it turns out that's a, that's a bold-faced lie. Yeah, no, I do think there is a certain fear around arriving at that point in your life and more and more we're telling people they have to have done things by a certain age and that's very much in conflict with this modern movement towards well you know you can do everything later you can do everything later but there are certain things as women that if you want you you can't do whenever we don't necessarily have that obviously you can but that depends largely on your financial situation mm. you know um if you want to it touches on themes of like wanting to have kids and wanting more of a traditional arc alongside your professional ambitions in terms of romance and marriage um and how that's very much a solo journey until it isn't mm -hmm. it is and i really think that she captures that very well and maybe capturing not necessarily a fear but an anxiety um around arriving at your life in that way and yeah she tempers the reality um with the wants and the kind of madness of looking for love you know that when you get to that phase where you're like i just want to find my person now and kind of not being mm. able to do it and how when you get to a certain point in your life there's one character in this book who i absolutely adore and her name is lola and she's just a diehard romantic in the <laughs> worst way and i was just like i <laughs> just love that like i love how shameless that character is about how she's like i just want this i just want to be in love 
Um, so it's not really... But it comes when you least expect it. No, it does. And I think that's very much like a message that the book is like, you, you really cannot make these things happen. You can't... What? Yeah, you can't plan. This is what I find so weird about people who grow up with like a plan. It's like, you can't plan for something that involves someone else. You can't plan for something you that involves met them someone else. Or you're not with them. But for a lot of people, that's very scary because if you want certain things, you, you kind of need the other person. But then you also don't want to rush into it and choose the wrong person. Yeah. So my horror movie is uh, being alone with 400 cats when I'm 80. <laughs> 400? Hey, we aim high. 400? When they go low, we go high. <laughs> 400 um, is a lot, though. But yeah, I know that it's not necessarily like a horror movie, but there is um, there is an element of fear in the book. <laughs> and Basically, I wanted... Camilla's horror story this Halloween is looking for love. <laughs> uh, I think that's a reductive way of looking at it. I don't think we could definitely put a more intellectual spin on it. No, I'm not. But, you know, I'm not going to lie. Like, I do worry about getting to, like, 40 and being like, oh, shit. <laughs> But I think we do all have that. And I th- I think now, especially women, we're told to be like, you don't need anybody. And it's like, no, I don't need anybody, but I would like somebody at some point, mm. you know, down the line. Just wanted to, to chime in on the discussion and say that I really enjoyed the book and I thought it did what it said it would do. Um, but yeah, so those are my ghosts. Uh, haunted by the fear of being alone forever. Dislikes! Tell me everything you hate about this sordid, sordid planet. <laughs> I'm Mardi because we can't have a Halloween party. And I completely understand why we can't have a Halloween party. That's all right, but it's okay to be upset about the fact that there's a global pandemic. I'm like... Even if you respect why you can't but just it, go around licking your friends. I was sad that, like, we moved into this flat and we had our housewarming and it, like, was so good. And then we've not had a party since because obvious reasons. But it's party season now. It, oh, it is party season. And I love a Halloween party. So much. I love the costumes. I was thinking of raising that about whether or not you wanted to do costumes. Maybe we could just dress up nicely in moody outfits that aren't necessarily a costume, but give off a vibe. Give off a vibe. Well, didn't we say that we were going to dress up as bats and then run around Battersea Park screaming at people? I did suggest that as a legitimate way to spend Halloween this year. And you know what? Now that you've reminded me, it sounds better the second time. Yeah. Pulling the bat in Battersea. So if you would like to be screamed at, <laughs> head down to Battersea Park. From a social distance. From a social distance. We will scream at you from two metres away. But don't worry, we're loud. So I don't know what I would have dressed up as. I know what I wanted you to dress up as. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, because you're blonde, I think it would work better. But you know how we wow. watch The Stepford Wives? You want me to dress up as a Stepford Wife? Do you not think that would have been great? It would have been great, but I don't really have the correct attire. But we could have made something work. I could have made it out of my bed sheets. <laughs> a ball gown. Or just, we could have just got like a like a little like suit like thing. Oh my gosh, we could have given you a screwdriver and then you could have done that. Somebody got a screwdriver! Somebody got a screwdriver. If you haven't watched The Stepford Wives, you need to watch The Stepford Wives. <laughs> you probably have. Maybe Ellen and I were very late to this party. We were so late to We were very late That's to why I wanted to watch it because I was like, it's one of those films that like we should have seen. It is a great film, actually. It's a really good film. Oh, I just remembered another. When I was, I think I was 10. Mm. No, maybe younger. Maybe another like costume. Nine, yeah. I made a ball gown out of bin bags. So, but like a proper corset, like with the machine and whatever. Yeah, yeah. And I was a corpse bride. That's that was good. pretty good. I think my best costume, I went as a beef oxo cube <laughs> one year. 
which if you're vegetarian, it's terrifying. Shout out for the vegetarians who've been served a meal with beef stock or chicken stock, am I right? <laughs> and then also, I went as Ghostbusters one year. Yeah, solid. I also, big flex, I have I that dinosaur costume. Oh, oh my god, yes! The infl- I have the, the viral inflatable dinosaur costume. Do you still have it? Yeah, I've got it somewhere. Is it here? No, it's not here. It's not in the flat. I've used it. Disappointing. I'll retrieve it and bring it back. I've used it a few times uh, for various events. Do you have to blow it up? No, it has a fan inside that keeps it inflated. It's very high tech. I had to order it from New Jersey. Um, <laughs> I didn't actually. It was very stupid and way too expensive. I think I could have got off uh, Amazon. But uh, I was young, dumb and... <laughs> living, living off, off mum. <laughs> living off rum. <laughs> yeah, so I'm a bit mardy because we can't have a Halloween party. But it's fine because we're still going to have fun. Yeah, I'm. Do you know what? I'm going to chime in on that dislike. I'm piggyback. Gonna piggyback. Piggyback. I'm going to piggyback on your dislike. We're approaching festive season, and as a grown ass woman who, for the first time, is living in my own flat, so annoying. I yeah, it is annoying being a grown ass <laughs> woman. I hate that. No, I just know what you're going to say. I don't think you are. I was going to say before you presu- when you assume. Here we go. You make an ass of you and me. I was really excited to throw my first like proper danish like festive party and like yeah i did know you were cook gonna everything. say that. oh okay she knows everything about me <laughs> i cannot surprise her anymore yeah i was excited to like have loads of people around and like make like four liters of danish mulled wine which is like your mulled wine but better uh because we add a bottle of vodka and a bottle of port to it because we we ain't no pussies in denmark <laughs> <laughs> okay we go hard in the festive season it's dark and it's cold in denmark and we cope one way and it is by drinking everything (laughs) but in a healthy way it's balanced with lots of outdoor activity yeah so that's kind of that has upset me and i think i think it's important to say that it's okay to be frustrated and upset and you're not a bad person because you want to hang out with your friends and do normal stuff even though you can't and have really massive fuck off house parties it is okay if you want to have massive fuck off house parties. It is readers. not okay to have those. Parties. Don't actually have them though. Well, how did we enjoy our cocktail? I you... loved it, and I wish I like drank mine all in the first ten minutes. Elle did ask midway through the podcast if she could go make another one, and I was like, "No, it's business time, baby." It's so nice though. It was really nice. We'll make them again. They were really good. Yeah. So the recipe for that will be on our Instagram. Let me entertain you. <laughs> on that note. <laughs> We will see you next week. Au revoir. I'll feed the same. Happy Halloween. <laughs> Terrifying. I love Halloween. If you've enjoyed listening to Pros Before Hose, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Otherwise, we'll have no idea.